Hey guys, welcome to the Cultivate and Keep podcast. I'm Jeremy with Corey, and this is where we talk about what we are learning, what we are studying in God's Word, and what is new with our businesses. And today, we have a very special, exciting guest, and I will let Corey Haynes intro him. That's right. And our special guest, actually, is allowing us to record in his very special studio Big here time. at uh, Youth Venture Broadway at, from uh, Foothills Christian Church. And so... Uh, we're pleased to have Kevin Miller with us today. Kevin, welcome to the show and glad to have you on. Hey guys, I'm really happy to be here. My studio is your studio. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Kevin has been one of our, what, from day one, probably one of the biggest encouragers and supporters of our podcast. Yes. So you Very do good. it's work. about time he's been on <laughs> long overdue. Really? It really is. It's like every time we're, talk, we're talking about guests and we're thinking through names, we're like, oh my gosh, how have we not have had Kevin on yet? And uh, so it's great to finally be able to make it happen. We were just on your podcast. You were. I can't Ooh. wait till that drops. Was that last week? Two weeks two, ago. Two weeks ago. Okay, oh yeah, two future weeks ago. in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Timeless. Um, so it's fun to be able to do this again and be here and sort of now the roles are reversed and we get to ask you questions. And uh, we had a great time on your podcast though. That was fun. Um, so really, really stoked to have you here today. If you can, I mean, we, it's probably just a good place to start, but if you can just give us like a brief overview of who you are, um, you know, and just like, you know, who is Kevin Miller? What do you do? Uh, and that way we can kind of like prep for people to get to know you. Okay, really good. Um, well, I'm the administrative pastor of Foothills Christian Church in El Cajon. Um, it's a large church and it keeps me real busy. And the way I got there is... You know, we were talking on our show, which they should go back and listen to, obviously, but you're talking, Jeremy, about how, uh, hey, show me the path. How mm-hmm. do I get to where you got? And I thought, Jeremy, don't follow the path <laughs> that I traveled. But um, Foothills, and I guess, you know, a lot of churches are the same way, that it's a peculiar puzzle. And I am a peculiar puzzle piece. And hopefully, I feel, and hopefully my bosses feel, like I fit. You know, the way I'm built um, makes me able to to do what I do, which is administrate the church. Uh, administrating a church is um, taking care of the people, the employees. There's, I don't know, maybe 150 employees, part and full time, uh, taking care of the lights and the air conditioning and the property and negotiations and things like that. And then taking care of uh, other people who have needs. And one of the main things I do is put together um, people and provision. Uh, my daughter Bree says, uh, well, my dad's the people pastor. So uh, that's very nice to hear because that's what I want to do. People are probably most important to me. Hmm. And I got there out of, okay, so if you want to be an administrative pastor, you should be 35 years in the health and fitness industry. <laughs> because I'm kind of a Got man. it, okay. There you go, go. that's it. And the um, most of the guys that do what I do, I find, you know, have business backgrounds a lot, hmm. uh, you know, and it might go to finance or it might go to real estate, um, that kind of thing. That's what I see. But at Foothills, I'm the fit. And and the whole fitness industry experience that I've had, like building and running and uh, uh, managing and had a consulting company for a long time in the fitness industry is so, so similar to church. Hmm. It really is. Hmm. I mean, in a good gym, not just the kind of gym that's, you know, lifting heavy things and bleeding from the nose and picking up on the girls and all of that. But a good gym, you create family and relationship and people get divorced and people have cancer and people have tragedies and you walk through that with them. And so managing a gym is a lot like managing a church. So there really was preparation in it. And mm-hmm. I've, I've seen so many times in people's lives, like maybe you're on, you never really understand what the Lord is training you for. 
And this is what I think he was training me mm -hmm. for. Um, so prior to doing all that gym business stuff uh, in various ways, um, I had an ad agency and uh, that was way, way fun because mm -hmm. you get to be creative and you get to make money for people. And you, once again, you're, con you're connecting people uh, to provision, you know, like saying, hey, this is really good. You should try this out, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, uh, and I stumbled around in energy management for a little while. Basically, I've kind of sold everything but cars. We already had the car <laughs> salesman guy on. I listened to the episode or two of them. And, uh, and, and especially when it's bent with a creative side, because I was a literary agent for a while. And uh, I find that so many creative people can't sell their stuff. You got to be really good to build. I mean, there must there might be three sides to the brain, and and so people that can do that, that's pretty crazy. So I uh, did some writing and some stuff, and so I had a creative bent, and uh, and I could sell other people, you know. So I did that for a while. Had an office in La Jolla. Really? It's really, yeah. No it's a, way. There's a lot of things. I, mean, I, I didn't know any of this. I, I already have, have so many questions. You wanted like, Wait an overview. A second. There's the overview. Okay. Well, well, I'm sure you just like barely, we're just like the tip of the iceberg already. But I have to go back to the ad agency really quick okay. because- Of course you do. Obviously my marketing background and sort yeah. of, uh, so I'm, just tell me about that. Like, what was that like? When was that? Um, did, were you just doing like local businesses here in- San Diego? Are you even here, from here in San Diego? Uh, since I was three. So okay. my generation as close as you get. There was nobody that was from here when I was here, yeah. but then we repopulated California and then most of them are leaving. They're <laughs> <laughs> all going to Austin and to... Yeah, and all sorts of places. Come back. Um, or don't. The, uh, the thing with the ad agency, it was, um, it started off in the studio because I would um, put on concerts, and I would produce bands. And so I'm in, in a studio kind of like this, AccuSound recording. Uh, and it was just way, way fun back in the 70s. And so that just kind of evolved because once again, if you can help people, you can make money helping people, right? As, and, you got, and you have to be good at it. So I worked for um, Kix Magazine which just, I think, had their 50th anniversary. It was the only local wow. music ma magazine in San Diego. And uh, so I just started selling for them. And I don't know, selling just came naturally. Mm -hmm. And so then um, the rest of the advertising agency thing happened uh, because of my connection with the gyms. It's like, hey, I can help you. I can get people to come into your gyms. Mm. I know how to do this. And then, so that was nationally. So I would do direct mail, um, a lot of direct mail back in the old days, but there were some other things that gyms have been doing forever that I helped other people mm -hmm. do. So just made a lot of money for a lot of other people. Do you remember any of the like, I don't know, best kind of campaigns you ran or memorable kind of uh, you know ads that you created? Yeah, I loved using kids on, uh, you know, I've, I've done over a million postcards, right? And so kids, you know, lifting heavy weights and trying to take, see, I always wanted to go up against the big guys. So, you know, there was uh, family fitness that turned into 24-hour fitness and Holiday Hell Spawn. They had this huge, huge budget, budget. So I worked with independent owners. And so I would go in and, and you know, basically what you want to do is be the thing that the other guy can't be well, mm -hmm. right? So we were friendly and we were real and we were honest. Um, 
and uh, for the most part, I mean, health clubs, come on. <laughs> but uh, but so uh, so using kids in ads was really fun. I did a, an ad campaign that I actually won some national award for, which was for fitness for her. And it was when women's only clubs have big spikes. You know, mm. everything seems so cyclical. When you stay with something so long, you see them happening all the time. The gyms are way, 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 way cheap. So they have to oversell and pump too many people in. And then you get uncomfortable being there. So you want to pay more. And then the women's only thing, because they don't want you to be in the gym with them and they're willing to pay more for that. And if you can cater to them, really take care of them. So that one, uh, fitness for her, um, you know, was the, uh, just giving that other taste. And I can't remember what the whole campaign was, but you know, won some national award and made wow. some money for some other people once <laughs> again. That's a great, I'm, I'm really envious of that award. I feel like that's a new like banner or accolade I need to unlock in my career one day is uh, be as cool as you. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. It was a hundred years ago. I'll bring the plaque in. Yeah, awesome. Maybe years. <laughs> just uh, ace my name out. Right. <laughs> Sketch my own in. Uh, I'm also wondering about the literary, literary agent. Um, it seems like you've kind of just, I mean, you've not bounced around, but you just have like this breadth of experience that we didn't really mm -hmm. know about. Mm. Um, how did you, is the literary, literary agent also tied to health clubs and ads? No, it was that, um, I had, um, uh, uh, friends, what's that big, uh, great school, American Film Institute. So when I went to San Diego State, I went for um, marketing, telemarketing mostly. And so I was on the radio station there at San Diego State and, um, and thought I'd get rich and famous in radio. It didn't exactly work out, um, but I had fun in that industry. And I had that crossed over with the people that were in drama and all this. And one of my very best friends went to the American Film Institute, wrote some screenplays, and he was horrible at selling things. Mm -hmm. And he wrote good stuff. And I really, really like, you know, if, if I tell somebody you do good work, that's a high, high compliment to me. You're doing good work is important. And so I just had all these friends and I knew how to sell stuff. So I would sell stuff for them. So it was mostly screenplays hmm. and, um, and some books. And it was out of uh, Emerald Street in PB. So we called it Emerald Street Productions. Uh, we got HB, uh, HBO used to need filler. And so we would sell a lot of stuff to them and, uh, you know, shorts that were really fun. Hmm. Uh, people that were addicted to eating rubber and it started off with nipples of bottles and then they would eat the erasers off their pencils in school and they end up eating tires off of cars. It was bizarre <laughs> and fun. So yeah, basically mm -hmm. all those changes is to make money and have fun. Hmm. And when you're, when you're starting out, sorry, Jeremy, I know you're good. I'm just the curiosity is, is flaming right now. But, um, when you're, when you're looking at something like a screenplay or a book from a friend and you're thinking, oh, I can sell this. Did you like actually know how to sell it? Or you're like, oh, I could figure out or like, yeah. you know, we, we could just- I think the latter. Have a lead. Oh yeah. It's just like, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Through my life, most of the time, like learning how to drive a car or getting on a scary roller coaster stuff. And I just kind of look at the other person and go, Oh, dude, I can do what they can do. <laughs> and so, you know, you can kind of figure it out. And I, and two, one of the things that's been really, really helpful is to create relationships with people that are way, way smarter than me and, and willing to help. Almost everybody is willing to help. If you mm -hmm. say, hey, could, could you help me on something? You know, I mm -hmm. just want to learn or I need a connection or something like that. Most of my selling was um, 
I think the biggest chunk, the real breakthrough was when I understood I needed to influence influential people because then boom, you've got their whole sphere mm -hmm. of influence. And so that's, um, you know, that's what was there. And, and once again, it was just really fun. Mm -hmm. So that's how that happened. And no, I didn't know squat about it until I started, started learning yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, I want to know about the jump from like doing ads and helping people in fitness and in health to opening your own gym. Um, like how, how and why did you make that change? Um, because uh, in, in the fitness industry, um, I became kind of a somewhat of a, an authority, somebody who had a reputation. Um, you know, I became one of those guys that people would hire because I had done so well for somebody else. So I, you know, it was like, there's, I'm not coming unless I get a piece of the action. So I didn't open up my own gym. I just, there was guys with money mm -hmm. and they knew what I could do for them. So I got sweat equity, that kind of thing. And that's why I did it. And I, um, unfortunately, I, I had a, the harsh discovery of what a junior partner is. Hmm. Like you two are not junior partners, right? None, like there's not a senior partner and a junior partner, mm -hmm. right? Right. Yeah. yeah. You're equal partners. Mm -hmm. Well, a junior partner, uh, you got nothing. It's like being yeah. an assistant manager. Booker B, yeah. Yeah. And then when they want to kick you out, which is what happened, uh, uh, there was a legal problem that I, uh, and an accounting problem that I brought to the attention of the senior partner. And then uh, he fired me and said, uh, you know, come sue me. I'm, I'm an attorney. I love to be sued. Whoa. <laughs> and so I got some wisdom from a, uh, yeah, so many mentors over the years. And a um, guy said, you know, the best revenge is to live well. And so instead of going after him legally, I just um, went to my friends and said, hey, bro, I'm available for consulting. And I, I'd have like five or six gyms, and this was local, not, not regional or national. And I would um, go work out at five gyms a day, and they would see me working out and say, hey, what's up? And so then I would... I would sell them hmm. on my consulting. And so I made tons of money consulting. Consulting hmm. is always best, you know? Hmm. And so that's how I made the shift to being uh, a gym partner and then went back to consulting. And And what was the timeline for that? So as, and then into being a partner to now consulting. I was probably uh, a partner for about five years. And then- and how many that, How many gyms were under your belt at one point? Um, I had half of the Gold's Gyms uh, that I ran in San Diego. So Gold's Gym was a big chain and I, and I ran half of them here. Hmm. Um, I've probably on the consulting end of it, I don't know, maybe 30, 30 gyms, hmm. something like that. And some of them, you had them here and they had them in Chicago. So that was kind of cool hmm. to break out of just being the yeah. local guy. Um, and then this is when you transitioned to becoming the church administrator or what, what was next? Uh, kind of. God's in here somewhere, isn't he? I got to tell you the, um, crunch fitness, uh, long ago was uh, called star fitness center, Valley athletic club. In the very beginning, this is what happened. So this is how I got to the gyms. I was working in youth for Christ. I had campus clubs and raised, I was on full-time support. So whatever check somebody would send, that's what I did. And I was raising, uh, three kids at the time. There's nobody in Youth for Christ that had kids, you know, they're all mm -hmm. college, right? So um, somebody calls me up and says, uh, 
dude, you want to work at this health club? You get a free membership. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> free membership. That's awesome. So I went there and I sold gym memberships with about 20 other people. And God was so crazy in it. Half of them were like barely recovering alcoholics and the rest of them were all Jesus freaks. And over a hundred people gave their life to Jesus in a gym. Mm -hmm. Now you have to understand from a marking perspective, do you guys remember the penny saver? Uh, a little that? bit. Yeah, okay, yeah. so a little thing that came in the mail and everybody threw it away. So they, if you had the cover, they'd see it before they threw it in the trash. I don't know anybody that opened it up. So <laughs> I think my dad did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your dad knows. Well, one person did. So uh, I would you know, do some of the marketing for that. And it, it, would, it would be something like this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. $19 a month. That's a gym. <laughs> that is right out of the Bible, a gym. I don't know if you guys are gym guys, but that's what I saw in the gym a lot of times. But what we had is people just giving their life to Jesus wide open. So that was youth then to the gym business and then the long time in the gym business. And when I had the consulting, so to jump back to when mm -hmm. I had the consulting, I was driving all over and, um, this is kind of how I got into church work. I, first of all, volunteered all the time. All my kids do, you know, my kids. And then um, just love Jesus. And so, uh, you know, whatever you need, whatever you need. And I think this is how I got the job. I think Dave Hoffman was talking to my predecessor and he opened up a door in a hallway and he went, you'll do. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. That was about it. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, and so I started uh, part-time doing all of the, uh, we called it the connections team or, mm -hmm. or whatever, and it was just making people feel loved and friendly and connecting with people and everything that I want, like I'm, I'm built to do. Yeah, and, and when was this? At what point? 04, 05, 06? Yeah, you've got it pretty close. Um, so Jeremy, who I'm sure you're going to have on the show, was a, uh, his you know, like a senior in high school and he's 40 now. So we go back that far with Foothills. Okay. And so I volunteered for a while and then I had a part-time position and was doing all the consulting thing. And uh, Dave Hoffman said, uh, you know, you're the next pastor that we want to bring on staff. Mm -hmm. And that was about 2006, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been doing it a while. When I first did it, I you know, like just kind of like um, being a literary agent. Yeah, I could do this. So I called up my counterparts at Skyline and uh, Sunrise and one other big church like ours and said, listen, I've been an administrative pastor for two weeks. I will trade all of that experience for yours. So can we get together? And every single person said yes. Uh, they didn't get much from me. But now That's like cool. I'm the oldest administrative pastor around, I'm the grizzly yeah. veteran now. And I was meeting, I put together a thing kind of like David Matranga did with young professionals. I did it with administrative pastors and executive pastors is another name for it. Yeah. I got all these young guys your age, maybe a little bit older, cause it's a weird job. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's leading from the second chair, that kind of thing. So we really could help each other. Mm -hmm. and, and complain about things that nobody else would understand right, at right. all. Uh, you can vent to someone. You can they can, you can share in your each other's misery a little bit, right? Yeah, to and, a certain degree. <laughs> and also, they know that you love and respect the people that you're working for, mm -hmm. um, and nothing leaves the room, kind of thing yeah. too. And it's good to have uh, yeah. contemporaries like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what does the day in the life of a church administrative pastor look like? 
I can really only speak for me, so mine is a strange and wonderful. I uh, it, I mostly deal with people, um, although a lot of numbers and everything, like uh, you know the solar panels mm-hmm. on a roof. Well, that cost a million bucks, uh, but. In July of 2015, I'm gonna sound like such a church administrator now. In July of 2015, Dave Hoffman wrote an SDG&E check for $30,000. Gosh. He said, Kev, we gotta do something. No problem, boss, let's go do it. So this month, we wrote a check uh, for June's utilities and it was $1,200. And so I find great administrative joy in putting that money into ministry yeah. mm-hmm. and not putting into SDG&E. Nothing against you guys, um, SDG&E. So um, there's some of that business and some of that reporting. I love charts and graphs and uh, Audrey Ross is very good at giving me things that I can see visually. <laughs> you know, just a list of numbers is like, well, I gotta see a trend. Mm-hmm. I have to see, you know, it doesn't matter week to week. It matters where are we going. Mm-hmm. So taking a look at that with uh, minimum wage increases with that yep. many employees, mm-hmm. man, that's crazy. Um, the PPP money. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> and now the earn the re, employee retention credit. You guys know about that? No. Go get that money With, too. Yeah. I'll talk to you off the show. Go get that money too. Beautiful. Yeah. Love to help. So it's a combination of people sitting across the desk from me that I absolutely love who I walk through crisis with. And then, uh, and then the numbers. Hmm. It's kind of like that. I mean, it's it's like the it's the business side of a church and yep. making it work yep. and function and money in and money out and everything is okay. <laughs> People get paid, and the church gets paid for, and things go on right. Sort of yeah. the nuts and bolts of making it happen. And really, um, you know, uh, our church once again, you always think you're unique and everything like that. But I'll tell you the things that you hear from our senior pastors, they really do. So when they say, hey, you know, go help somebody out, be generous, the payback for that is amazing. This is how the this is how God made the world. These principles absolutely work. So like they were in a I'll tell you, when I was kind of interviewing for a position at the church, that part-time position, went to Journey. So my predecessor uh, took me there and wanted to introduce me to their guy because they did a lot of things right. And he goes, in, in this, uh, so I was just sitting there and trying to learn from this guy and my predecessor was there, the guy I actually worked for at the time at the church. And the guy stops and goes, wait a minute, before, before we go into business, I gotta tell you something. I was interviewing with the senior pastors of Journey about 15 years ago. I was sitting there interviewing with them and with the senior pastor, of our church and a secretary broke into the meeting and said, Mark and Dave Hoffman are here. And he stopped everything. And Mark and Dave Hoffman were in a building campaign, trying to expand, trying to raise funds. And they had a check for us for $15,000 for the chairs that we needed in our sanctuary. I love Foothills. I love Mark and Dave Hoffman. And that's the kind of reputation that we have. So, mm. so you've got to fit that that flavor, or you're not gonna make it at Foothills. I mean, people are first, the kingdom is first. Um, it's like, I'm the most business guy there, and that's scary yeah. that I'm the most business <laughs> guy there, right? So uh, the, other, the other thing too, is one element of me that may be different than other administrative pastors, is I am really involved in the community. 
When I took my position on, you know, I know about being in the Chamber of Commerce mm -hmm. and being involved and serving and leading in the community. I knew a lot of people from the gym business that knew me. So uh, my, uh, we tried to get into the Chamber of Commerce a few years before that, and it was Don Bastrom, who was the VP of marketing uh, from Wells Fargo. That's his background. That's how he got to church. So follow that one too. Follow that journey to wow. church and being a pastor. <laughs> now he's the like the bus pastor and men's pastor and all that. So when he got introduced at the Chamber of Commerce breakfast meeting, there were boos, audible boos. Wow. At that time, in that season in East County, there was real animosity towards the church, towards Jesus. I mean, it was, it mm. was craziness on the school board, mm. on the city council, all, all in the Chamber of Commerce as well. So- I went, oh, we got to join the Chamber of Commerce. And I've got buddies there. I've got people who lost 100 pounds in my gym and know mm -hmm. that I love them and know that I'm a real person and I'm not a freak. Mm -hmm. And so they, these two women were my good friends and they protected me from any bullies that would beat me up. And we invested in it. And it went from getting booed to the Chamber of Commerce nominating me for Citizen of the Year of El Cajon. Wow. So wow. the pendulum swing really has changed. And so I serve on a lot of boards and invest and, and we do a lot of things financially in the city. Uh, you know, you read Mark's book, there's the, the government and church and business working together to, to bring about the purposes of God in a city. And I don't know anywhere doing it as well as the city of El Cajon. Mm -hmm. It's craziness. The mayor of your city asked us to coordinate a, a, a group of pastors to pray for him before every city council meeting because he wanted the wisdom of God to lead the city. At Future Quest, a few years ago, he gave his testimony and said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed to be a Christian. Went totally viral. All the kids had their phones on them and everything. Mm -hmm. And you don't see that in a city of 100,000 people. So anyway, that's kind of the day-to-day -day and what the scope of what I do is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm curious if we can dive a little bit deeper into like what it means to, to really work with the government and the mm -hmm. businesses in the community. Um, do you have any other examples of like what that looks like, you know, practically and, and how, um, I guess how, how you like, not strategize is kind of a bad word, but like really are intentional about investing in it rather than kind of a church being its own individual entity, which kind of does its own thing and doesn't get involved. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever read Bonhoeffer? Any of Diedrich Bonhoeffer's stuff? I've got it on the book All right. on, the, on the shelf. But yeah, well, I got books you yet. recommended to me yeah. that are on my shelf too. So Bonhoeffer talks about a church in the middle of the village. like, And he was World War II. I mean, it was craziness. There's, there's nuts. And, and he's brilliant. So I, I kind of look at it that way. And also understanding we're the church. We're not the government. And uh, we're there to support and encourage and, and lead however we can. Uh, you know, it's a bunch, of, a bunch of examples, like the mayor's prayer breakfast that I work with Chris George on. Uh, we bring that together and we pray over the needs of the city. We have four regional mayors of East County that come and hundreds and hundreds of people that have lunch. And, um, and so they bring up the needs. They talk for a little bit. And then we all pray for those needs. That's extraordinary mm -hmm. and for real. We have one, um, we found out that the, there was a need in El Cajon Police Department. They had the first aid kits that the officers have on them, but they didn't have a really complete one in their, in their car, in their unit, so that there would be the possibility that, you know, let's say uh, a police officer is, is down 
and or or a, a victim of a shooting. And so what we did is we got the churches together and we bought uh, I don't know, it cost way over $10,000 and we outfitted every single wow. one of them. Hmm. Um, we had a, the potential riot uh, in El Cajon from a shooting, um, a tragic shooting where, you know, a, a disturbed um, African-American man uh, pulled a uh, vape gun. A vape oh yeah, I remember that. Just like yep. a gun. I, I mean, I actually saw mm. it and, and went into a shooting stance. And, uh, and was killed, tragically killed. And so there were some people that had some ulterior motives from out of town who came in and said, we're gonna burn El Cajon down. So the city manager whose wedding I did hmm. um, and was very close to and I loved Jesus, he's not the city manager right now, he retired, he called me and said, can, you, can your church help us? We need prayer. We need to defuse this. And so Mark and Dave, because they've had prayer meetings with pastors for 35 years and they know each other without any ulterior motive, boom, got them together and the spiritual climate um, just changed. It was extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So the church just being the church and those kinds of things, um, that's what we do. We don't try to mm -hmm. tell anybody what to do. We try to serve and lead. Mm. Wondering, um, this is a, a tall order to kind of speak on a little bit, but uh, I'm no longer in East County. I'm like, I live in Hillcrest. Uh, I love Hillcrest. Central San Diego. Good food. Great food, yes. Uh, great area. We love it. Um, but obviously very different to El Cajon in a lot of ways with people, politics, even sort of the church scene there as well. And so for someone, you know, for someone living in an area like that, um, if we wanted to see the same type of sort of um, unity that East County sees with the churches and the government and the businesses there, um, where does that start? Does it start with sort of the leadership? Um, does it start with some sort of like, just like a spiritual revival? Does it start with the churches there themselves who kind of lead the way? Um, just, I, there's no like right or wrong answer. Just wondering what your thoughts are on it. I don't know. They there could be right or wrong answers to that question. Um, I'm only telling you what I think, so that's easy enough. I think it does start with the churches um, seeking God and saying unity is extraordinarily important. You know, the Bible says the way that we love each other will convince the world that the Father sent the Son. Hmm. It is critical how we love each other. So if there's not unity in the churches, then you probably got some church politics going on, mixing into it that you know might not accomplish the purposes of God. So I think that's critical. Um, praying into it and, and being willing not to force your agenda on anybody. So the unity of the church is first. And then what's, um, what's worked for La Mesa um, with uh, Dr. A over there uh, and and I think San Diego to some degree. I got to meet Todd Gloria at a memorial that we had. We were the only church that would accommodate um, fallen law enforcement officers. And my friend mm. Chuck Price is a chaplain. So he couldn't find another church during COVID that would do services. So we did a couple of really large, I don't know if you saw them, memorial services. And so I got to, I got to meet... Um, um, Todd Gloria and I, and I have a relationship with the district attorney's office. And I think when people know that you don't have an agenda, you're not trying to push your conservative rights or whatever, then 
then you played and you play together well and you're genuine. I think that that's when breakthroughs come through. Mm. So church has got to be in unity and then you got to be willing not to force your agenda on the, you know, I, I used to, I think I talked to you guys about doing this prayer table thing at the alcohol court uh, every Friday, and it was really, really fun. Well, I decided I wanted to do it in Hillcrest. And so I went to an AIDS center, and they wouldn't even talk to me. They were they were kind of harsh about it. But then I went to a thrift store that was right by Park, and there was a, like a bar restaurant right next to them. And I said, hey, I just want to pray for people. I just want to have a sign that says needs prayer. Could I do that right here? You know, like on the sidewalk in front of your place. And the guy goes, yeah, you can do it. But, um, you're praying to God, right? And I went, (laughs) yeah, man, I'm praying to God. And he let me do it. And I got to tell you, I had the same excellent experience, maybe a different flavor of people stopping and saying, yeah, I need prayer. What's, what's up? Mm -hmm. So you know what? People are people. Mm-hmm. And if you're genuine and, and you can de-escalate uh, contention by being as much as you can like Jesus, it'll work anywhere. Mm. I really believe that. Yeah. I, don't know, I had also a practical question. Um, thinking of you know the trio of government, business, and church in our community, um, like for someone like me, right? What does it look like to have, for me to have my business like help and serve my community? Um, whether it's you know moving or events, whatever it is, like what are some examples of things I can do or we can do um, to help our community? Um, I think you know, first of all, pray about it, get the mind of Christ in it. Like, what's the deal? Because it might be something really different than you ever would have imagined. And then ask people what their needs are and meet their needs. So if there's ways that you can, um, uh, you know do something for free mm-hmm. or serve on something that's a, a problem that somebody has. Maybe it is city government or maybe it's business. Um, you know, what's, you know, they have to have a perceived need for you to be speaking their love language. I think mm-hmm. that's not just true with people. It's true with um, business and government yeah. as well. What, what speaks love, what speaks appreciation. So do some, you know, uh, investigation in that and then go after it. Yeah, I mean, so far it, it has been like as opportunities come up for, you know, like sponsoring events or helping out, like that has been probably the extent of what we've done. But I, I was curious if you had any other ideas or anything like, you know, maybe out of the ordinary that like we could be doing besides free events or whatever it is, you know? Boy, there's so many ways you could go. Um, I know when we came into the Chamber of Commerce, we were a nonprofit. We were a church, probably the only church that was active in it. But, we're, you know, we were a nonprofit. And most of the nonprofits are looking for, hey, we need help. Hey, we're doing a fundraiser. Hey, we need your resources. We need your money. Well, I don't need their money. I would love for them to get saved, know Jesus Christ, and, and attend some church, even if not mine. But what we did is we looked about what resources we had. So, you know, we do a lot of video, right? So I said, hey... I want to promote all the businesses in the chamber. I'll do it for free. So I just said, um, come on in and, and, you know, we'll set it up. We'll do it for free. We'll get it all set for you. And, and it'll be on the chamber website and then you can take it. So figure out what people need. Just be creative and say, what if, and then ask, you know, the businesses or the, or the government, um, what their needs are. So you can see how you fit into that. I'd have to, I'd probably have to know, like, I know you're like a, I think Corey put it something about serial entrepreneur. And uh, so I'm, I don't know if I'm up to speed on all the stuff that you're doing, but just find out what resources you have and mm-hmm. what needs they have and put those two together. Cool. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, if 
on this kind of same thread, if you're uh, a regular business or a secular business, however you want to call it, which um, it's mostly semantics, but in other words, if you're not a church or a ministry and, but you want your faith to be a part of what you do besides sort of finding ways to, um, you know, give back, uh, either like through your profit or through mm -hmm. your services, through the business, you personally, like, how do you view like the intersection between faith mm -hmm. and your business? Like basically yeah. sharing your faith in the workplace yeah. and, um, and as an employee or an owner of a business with clients and people that you meet and talk to. You know, it's, it's interesting uh, to navigate that. You know, I asked, an, I, I asked you two guys um, on our show, Sent 315. Oh, we'll get uh, to that. I thought you might. <laughs> <laughs> but I asked you guys, and it was so interesting and enlightening. You know, Corey, when you said, I leave clues, I have told that story to several people <laughs> because it's, mm -hmm. you have to navigate wisely, mm -hmm. right? And, uh, you know, so you, you got to pick your spots and you got to be genuine. And, uh, and sometimes it's, I'll give you an example. When I, uh, before I was no longer a partner in my fitness clubs, uh, we had that, uh, a prayer meeting for people and we did it discreetly. Um, word got back to the senior partner and he sent out a letter to every employee in their paycheck, not only at that one gym, but all three gyms that any religious activity on company grounds, especially prayer, was grounds for immediate termination. Okay, well, that's against the law, but when you're a cocky attorney, you can say whatever you want, and, you know? So I had to make a decision, because I've told you so many people came to the Lord mm -hmm. in, that, uh, in the gym. And so, Lord, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna continue to express my faith? Am I gonna continue to pray for people? Or am I gonna switch that? So I did. I had a guy come in the very next day and he, and he was this tatted out guy just said, listen, I am just addicted to cocaine and I don't even know why I'm talking to you. Hmm. And I went, let's go outside. And so we went outside and we prayed outside the walls of the business and he gave his life to Jesus. So, you know, you just... Uh, so number one, you do have to have some discretion. You can't be the crazy person that's thumping everybody with the Bible, especially if you're the business owner. But I'm telling you, I think that you can be very, uh, uh, very um, matter of fact about your faith. Mm -hmm. And if you're not pushing it down somebody's throat and you're being the way that you would want people to be to you, that... Uh, the Lord will give you opportunities. Mm -hmm. I totally believe that. And that, and that is what our podcast is about. You know, how do you navigate it? I've got a guy coming on uh, to record. It's actually Sarah's dad, Adam, mm -hmm. who has to be careful about what pronouns he uses. You know, he's in a like, kind of a counseling environment and coming along people that are in really tough situations. And it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so you have to make your decisions based on that. But this is what I believe. Uh, Matt and I, my son Matt and I have talked about it and he doesn't believe you're the pastor of your business. You're, you're just go do great work, make a lot of profit and then tithe and more so. I agree to a certain degree. Some people are the pastor in their business. That's just the anointing that they have. But I think seriously, you are the church in your business. Hmm. Whether you're good or you're bad or you're, you're not doing anything, you're the church. And so I think you, you need to wake up and say, Lord, what do you, what do you got for me today? And give me vision and courage to step into that. Yeah. And it'll be very, very individual. 
Yeah, I mean, saying that you're the church in your business, like, I think someone can hear that and think, oh, like, you know, just to your your team members, your employees, but like every person you interact with, every customer, every vendor, whoever it is, you can be the church and you can be, um, you know, that comfortable place or someone that, you know, they trust you and they are willing to, you know, have moments like that tied up guy that wanted you to pray for him for no reason, right? But yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, the thing is, is that it's a really good start to be, like Jesus, to have the character of Jesus, to have the fruit of the spirit. Like when you're generous and kind and, and literally loving, when you're a whole bunch like Jesus, you will be living a life that compels people to ask you questions. I've had that happen. Not that I'm a whole bunch like Jesus, but I've had a lot of people go, what is up Mm -hmm. with you? This, you're not, you're not normal. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, our conversation and what Corey said about leaving clues. Um, that was a good thing. And I think like, you know, you, when you pair that with what you're saying of just being a good person and like having the fruit of the spirit and being kind and um, like it does something, it it really does have a far reaching impact more than you would expect. And it, um, you know, it, it lays a seed, it kind of lays the groundwork for an opportunity versus being someone that's like, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I do this? Can I do that? Like you're more under the radar, a little more just being you. And I think yeah. it welcomes, opens the door for that. I've seen it happen uh, a ton of times. People that you know really, really well who are just relational and they're in it for the long game. And then when people have crisis in their life, I've had VPs of major corporations come to me and say, my, my son is an alcoholic and he's a mess. Can you help him? You know, and it was because I had relationship and they were watching me and they thought like that guy from the UK, I thought you'd be safe to talk to. Mm-hmm. Sarah almost cried when you said that. That was like such a home run. <laughs> we should be people that would be safe or that people could trust with their their hurts, you know? Yeah. Anyone, Corey, right here. There you go. Boom. That was beautiful. I was, um, I was after our conversation again, I was, I was thinking a little bit more about how uh, I think it's really easy to take for granted all the, the people that you meet and the people that you talk to just in like day-to-day life. And I sort of thought a little bit because I've been working remotely for uh, like three years ish now, and so I thought like, well, I don't meet people or talk to people. Like, you know, what, what what am I supposed to do? But then I was like, wait a second, I meet and talk to like three to five new people a week, just over over a video call though, not in person. And there's still that same opportunity and that same dynamic where I can you know be an example. I can be someone who's safe to talk to, who's kind, who's trustworthy, I can build rapport and ultimately try to build a relationship and not just like a transactional kind of small talk, you know, oh, hi, how are you? Thank you. Okay, goodbye. But um, try to get to really know that person and um, and leave a, an impression on them ultimately. And um, I just, I was thinking, I was like, well, if, if that's true for me, like think of everyone else and you just not, you, you never really think about how many people you come into contact with who you can have that that interesting impression on that might be more weighty than you might think. Yeah. Hmm. And when it comes to loving people and sharing Jesus, you're part of a process with a whole lot of other people. And as long as we're all intentional, you know, you're waking up and saying, Hey Lord, let me see it, you know, and then you step into it when you, you got it. I think then you're part of the process and things do happen. Hmm. Uh, I think that maybe I can speak for both of us, but I sort of consider you like the, uh, the sharing your faith guru, <laughs> and, um, and it just you know, prime example. 
and maybe your, your claim to fame, at least in my eyes, this is sort of like, I can't tell if it's a, oh, if it's a myth Lord, or not. <laughs> <laughs> is it true that you once led a man to the Lord in, a, in the, well, I should say a stall and, or a urinal, but you were sort of side by side in the bathroom. Um, is that true or, or is that sort yeah. of? So, so Neil, I mean, every other thing. Hold up, he, urinal or stalls? I'm going to tell you. Okay, see, cool. <laughs> Neil got every other thing in every sermon he has ever done correct, except for some small details on this story. Okay, okay. So the deal is, no, we weren't in stalls. Guys don't talk to guys unless you try, you got to mm -hmm. get some toilet paper. And That's emergency. why I was so concerned about the story. I was right. like, what is this? He's okay. breaking the rules. It was a urinal. It's against the code. There, there were more than one urinal. So the deal is, we were at a really special event. It was a a, a wedding. It was so so fun, and um, so uh, you know, it was at the reception. So a guy uh, is in the bathroom. The bathroom had a toilet and two urinals, and then a sink. And so I walk in, and uh, there's a, a guy that's there before me, and he goes, you know, what's up? I go, well, this is a beautiful, beautiful event, man. This is great. And he, uh, he said, so um, how did it go? A conversation How ensued. do you know the bride or the groom? Yeah, or, yeah, something like that, some small talk. And then eventually we stopped peeing, okay? So it wasn't <laughs> like for a half an hour, right, you know? So he, so what he said is, where, he, this is the question, he said, where are you from? And it was weird because I told him East San Diego. I hadn't been in East San Diego where I grew up for 40 years. And I said, East San Diego. And I don't know why I said it. I absolutely believe it was the Holy Spirit because mm. he said, dude, then you know my parents' stores. We've got some, uh, some restaurants and stores on this street and that street. And I go, oh yeah, I remember that. It's been there a long time. And, he, and I said, so how's business? And he said, it's hard. It is really, really hard right now. And I, and I just, right now, Holy Spirit gets goosebumps again because it was the Holy Spirit. He'll hang out in that bathroom until you get there and you'll do what he says. So I said, you know, the Bible says that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And I can't imagine doing business without Jesus' strength and support. He goes, yeah. I said, have you ever asked him? to just come into your life and be your Lord and then you're, you're working with him. And he said, uh, no. I said, do you want to? I said, yeah. So, you know, we prayed and swapped phone numbers and, uh, and it turned out that half a dozen people in that reception had been praying for him like nonstop and uh -huh. that he had actually visited our church. I didn't know him. Mm -hmm. And then when Sarah and I launched the podcast, just a few months ago, a couple months ago, somebody somebody from that reception, which was no 10 years ago, sends me a Facebook picture of him on the welcome team at uh, Awaken Church. Whoa. No way. That's way. crazy. That's really cool. It was so cool because I didn't wow. really connect with him. We kind of lost each other. I didn't get a chance to follow up with him. And the Lord being so, so gracious to say, hey, Kevin, take a look at this guy. So wow. it was that's really cool. extraordinary. It was so, so fun. Yeah, that's, that was a good one. That's got to be one of my, my favorite stories of all time. 
I, okay, so to, to be honest, I knew that there was probably some, you know, Neil's a little bit of an exaggerator, <laughs> an embellisher. I didn't say that, Neil. <laughs> uh, I'll say it. He's a great storyteller. He's a great storyteller. Um, but I knew, you know, maybe some nuances there. Uh, but also I thought, you know, this is kind of, you know, the devil's doubt, right? But I was like, mm, how, how impactful is it really to you know, lead someone to the Lord in the bathroom. At a wedding reception. Right, where he's kind of just like, Dude, yeah, I was just sure. thinking that, yeah. But, so I was going to ask, you know, have you heard from him? Do you know him yeah. still? Yeah. Um, yeah. I could show you. I got the picture. That's yeah. really cool. And, and and catch on to this too, like what we're talking about, where you play a part and you play a role. People, Christians are in his life. Christians are praying for him. Christian invited him to church. I was just, you know, you're mm. somewhere in the process. I just you got to be the lucky guy. I was the closer. I just happened to be <laughs> peeing at the right time, you know? So you got to be strategic about everything. Yeah. The Holy Spirit took a cold of your bladder. I was just like, <laughs> it just go to the bathroom. It really goes to show you that you really do have to be ready. And it doesn't mean that you have to have the whole Bible memorized. It has mm. the tone of your heart when you're, you listen to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And the more you respond to the urgings of the Holy Spirit, the more you'll hear him. Yeah. Mm. And the more you go, eh, busy. Mm, whatever, mm-hmm. and his voice will get quieter and quieter, mm-hmm. and you'll just end up not thinking he ever talked to you at all. Yeah. Well, it's interesting the way you even broached it. I, I know there was probably again more nuance and detail to the dialogue that you actually had, but you know the fact that he said that business was not going good, and that he was sort of um, exposing some mm-hmm. vulnerability and to a um, guy in the bathroom, right? To a guy <laughs> in the bathroom, and and that you would respond in a way that was. It was like, yeah, and I couldn't imagine how hard it was not having Jesus. And you're sort of, um, you're teasing this thread to see if if he'll if he'll bite a little bit. And that was ultimately what was um, what caught his attention, and like what was like appealing was, yeah, I would like to do this with with a higher being, with someone else. And that was really like the thing that kind of tugged at his heart, or so it seems, you know. But yeah. you never know what's going to be the thing that really get someone to open up and yeah. also to say yes. You know, the, uh, there's a book called Eternity in Their Hearts, and the, and the concept of it is they were talking about missionaries all over the world and that they have a mythology, they have a storyline that just fits in with a father and a son. It happens all the time. So it, for me, what it means is that, that I don't bring Jesus into the bathroom. Jesus already working on this guy. Jesus already had things going. The Holy Spirit was there. And then it's just crazy exciting. There's this... Um, I don't know if I'd put it in a blog, but there's this guy that got interviewed after um, Michael Jordan scored 70 points in a game. And uh, they're interviewing this other guy, not Michael Jordan. And he goes, yeah, I'm never, ever going to forget the night that Michael Jordan and I combined for 72 points. (laughs) (laughs) And that's me. I'm the two-pointer. The Holy Spirit's the 70-pointer. The Holy Spirit is Michael Jordan. That's funny. Wow. Um, well, kind of along the lines of like, you know, leading of the Holy Spirit, but um, tell us about your podcast and how that started and, and why. And I know you've mentioned, you know, you kind of felt, um, you know, a tugging and kind of doors opening. And then finally like, wait, why have I not done this yet? Yeah. So tell me about that. That's happened so many times to me, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you get busy and you mm-hmm. s- stay in your zone. Well, I have a background in radio and, and so this is a, a real comfortable format for me. I feel at home doing it. And I've taught um, about sharing your faith, like marketplace ministry and God conversations and taught, I don't even know how many classes. I did a virtual class uh, where 
250 people went through a book mm-hmm. called Unexpected Adventure by mm-hmm. Lee Strobel. And just, so I've been teaching it because I'm passionate about it. it. This is what I'm passionate about. And then um, Matt Hall built this studio that we're all uh, very, very thankful for. And, and mostly it was for music, but I went, man, I listened to a ton of podcasts. And so I, I, you know, wondered about it and everything, but at some point, you know, um, Sarah Main, the producer of my show, she had just come back from LA producing a show for somebody up there. And I love Sarah Main. I mean, if people listen to Scent 315, they'll see that we genuinely care about each other. And she's a 27 year old woman Mm. and I'm not. And that was like, whoa, (laughs) this is a revelation. in fact, when we when your show airs, people will see there's three business guys talking, and then Sarah's listening, mm-hmm. and then there's three millennials talking, and Kevin is listening. It's a <laughs> <Right>. good show. <laughs> and so I got Sarah, I had a studio, and then Matt Hall studied sound technology at MIT. So all I have to do is sit down and, just and t- talk. Use your words. <laughs> Come on. So... <laughs> That's that was the light bulb that yeah. went off. Like, let's just go play and see what happens. And we had so much fun doing it that we just kept doing it. And I think you guys may have said on your one year anniversary that show, you're kind of reviewing the year and stuff. I think you guys might have said you were going to give it a year and see how it went. At least that's where I thought I picked mm-hmm. it up from. I thought, okay, Lord, I'm you know check with my pastors and see if if I'm okay, if they're all right with this, and they are, and see uh, if we were any good at it. And uh, we've had some some really great feedback that mm-hmm. shows that, us at least that there's some fruit going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was also curious. Uh, you know, what's the goal with it? Where do you want to go? Um, yeah, my I read the in the Bible about the Lord gave some gifts to the church: apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So I figured, okay, so an evangelist is to equip the saints to do the work. In the old days, like, you know, Billy Graham days, they were just big stadiums and Billy Graham was an evangelist and everybody knew what evangelist was or mm. on TV, God forbid, a te- televangelist and how I'm doing, <laughs> I have to do some of that, not all of them. Um, but I figured if I can be so much more effective if I get people 2% more intentional, you know, they just engage, they think about it. Instead of training up, you know, 25 people in a class, podcasts, dude, it's crazy. We're all, you know, we're, uh, we've got listeners in 15 countries and 30 mm. states in less than 30 days. Mm. It's just whack to me. So I'm just trying to get people to be more intentional about sharing their faith the way that God made them naturally. Um, and we have a quiz that's on our website that people can answer some questions and see, you know, how did, how did God make me, what style of communication do I have? Mm-hmm. So they can just do it the way that they want to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just figured I could reach more people. And, and my goal is to get regular people engaged in this thing mm-hmm. because non-Christians are having spiritual conversations. Christians just aren't engaging for a variety of reasons or they're engaging in such horrible, ugly ways. So I, I tell some of my friends who claim to be atheists, yeah, I teach a class where we teach Christians not to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> they like that. <laughs> yeah, they like that. I've had, I've had, so 
so-called atheists. Just for public record, you can't be an atheist and be angry at God. Mm. That doesn't work. So if somebody tells you and you're listening and you're getting them to open up and having genuine conversation with them, you mostly find out they're just really upset at God for, for some reasons that make sense to them. And I had a guy... Um, I was training for an Ironman and we were on the bike. He said he'd go an hour with me. And I knew that if I could get him talking, I could get him at least two hours on the bike and I wouldn't have to be riding by myself. So it was in this season, it was, did I think Hillary or Bernie would be a better uh, president? And it was during the, it was, it was a while ago. And it was during the prelims or whatever. And so I just listened to him and we just talked about Bernie and Hillary. And then all of a sudden it just opened up and, uh, you know, he, he opened up wide open and, uh, how his mom had been built of all her money from televangelists when he was little and he had to sit in front of the TV and watch it and everything. And then he started asking me questions because I listened to him and, and ask him questions. And he said, I'll come to your class and I'll tell Christians how not to be a jerk, how to talk to us. Mm -hmm. And I went. Okay. He said I was the most open-minded Christian he ever met, and I am most certainly not the most open-minded <laughs> Christian, but I listened. So mm -hmm. anyway, mm -hmm. that's fun to do. Mm -hmm. What, uh, I mean, just for anyone listening who wants to get like a taste of what you talk about, but also for my own personal curiosity, do you have any uh, tips or best practices, overall thoughts of like how to share your faith or, or how not to share your faith? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, first of all, Sent 315 comes from 1 Peter 3.15. Linda, Linda Hoffman the other day said, how could anybody know that? And I said, well, we talk about it a lot, Linda. I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> you would know if you listened. <laughs> there you go. You, you fell into a trap there, Linda. But the, it, it, the Bible says, sanctify Christ in your heart as Lord. So that means have a secret life with God, like Mark Hoffman has talked about. Nurture your relationship with him, have something, because if you don't have this spiritual life, you don't really have much to offer anyone. You know, like if you aren't pursuing Jesus and being like Jesus, if you're cranky and grumpy and stupid and boring, who wants anything you have to say anyway, right? So sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to give an answer. And I think that's a little bit of preparation, like getting some, what your understanding of salvation is and stuff like that. But I don't think people are looking for a theologian most of the time, mm -hmm. unless you're built that way and you wanna mm -hmm. be. So always being ready is the tone of your heart. Don't be too busy. Uh, be intentional about it, for me. To give an answer to everyone who asks. So not to every single person. Mm. Live a life that compels yeah. questions. And when somebody asks you, then boom, go after it. But always, oh, for the hope that is within you. And if you get a mindset where you understand, we were hopeless without Jesus. We have something they need and want and have to have. We have the hope of eternal life, both here and forever. We have something really important. Why on earth? Like, you know, we share books and stuff like that. And, you know, I saw this great movie or you've got to watch this video or whatever. Why wouldn't we so much more so be prepared to share Jesus and what he's done in our life? But always with gentleness and respect. Always, always, always have that tone. You blow it if you don't. So that's the overarching principle for us. I would say the second thing is this. Um, go to our website, 
send315.org and take our styles quiz. It's really easy. Garrett Masters, thank you so much for being a genius and willing to help. So you take this short quiz and it'll tell you, listen, am I intellectual or analytical? Am I confrontational like Peter was when he told all the Jews, yep, you killed the Messiah. He's dead, you killed him. How much more confrontational do you get to that? And thousands of people gave their life to the Lord. Or are you relational? Or are you a servant? Are you just sneaky where you will just serve people and love people like Kathy Martin? She is diabolical, you know? So find out how you're built and then go engage. Hmm. Hmm. John Luke reference there. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, I think while that is show notes, that quiz, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Cool. That's really cool. I think that's, well, the marketer in me is very happy that you did that because I think it's a great resource and uh, I would highly encourage people to go and take it. I need to go take it. I saw it a couple times and I, in the moment, didn't have, uh, wasn't in a good spot to, but um, that's a very interesting approach. I think because we all have different sort of styles and preferences and mm -hmm. talents, the way that God makes us and yeah. there's no one size kind of fits all and it's good to know what your style is when you can stop comparing yourself to other people and feeling guilt and shame that you're not sharing Jesus when mm. you might really be sharing Jesus. Like you don't compare yourself mm -hmm. to somebody else. There's a lot of books on the website too, not to just totally pump the, the website, but there's some books like evangelism for the rest of us. Mm. And those are for introverts, which are the people that mostly write books. <laughs> um, there's one questions that Christians hope no one will ask with answers by Mark Middleburg. So there's a bunch of different resources for the different styles of people that, um, you know, like we are. Hmm. On books, what are some of your favorite books? Yeah, you saw me prepping before the mm -hmm. show. You know, um, first of all, I asked if you read Infinite Jest. Um, oh. It may be the longest book ever written, and it was written by a genius who ended up taking his own life. And what a iconic, like, strange cult book. Um, and it's the only reason I really recommend it is it was extraordinarily well-written, very different than anything else. Um, but I've never really met, I've re met one other person that's read it all the way through because it is like a doorstop. Uh, Can I guess who that person is? 1,451 yeah. pages. Nicely done. Is it, is it your son, Matt Miller? He did not write that oh, book okay. yet. I think Matt is going to write the sequel to it, though. <laughs> and he's not the guy that read all of the pages either, I think. Hmm. I don't think it's not him. Okay. It's, uh, that's an interesting call. It, it, man, you guys asked Matt what books he's into. And he's, you know, I've, I've ref, uh, you know, referred him to a lot of books. Like, I think I may have introduced him to Patrick Lencioni. I may have that claim mm -hmm. to fame and you know what a, an evangelist mm -hmm. he is for Patrick. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, so I have a, a really wide scope that I like to read. So, uh, you know, if you haven't read Lord of the Rings, what, what are you thinking? I mean, my, my 12 year old grandson is reading it. Um, and so besides just fun, uh, Wes Volkerson is one of my favorite authors, Starfall, but For Whom the Sun Sings must be read. This is going to win an award for, for Wes. He's a, he's a great writer. Um, but then on a, um, I'm trying to figure out some stuff right now. The world is complicated. And so um, Sarah gave me a book, Embodied, and it's uh, a biblical, uh, it's, it's, it's this pastor about the trans, um, mm. 
the trans culture, yeah, trans folks. I've heard this. <clears throat> yeah, and so uh, she gave me the book and I picked it up on Audible because it's easier for me because I can read it, listen to it on the trail and stuff. And stuff by Thomas Sewell, you know, because you're going into um, um, race theory. What's it? Uh, Critical race theory. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Tom Thomas Sewell, I stumbled across him and he's absolutely brilliant. Oh my gosh. You know, and grew up in a, in the ghetto. And he, uh, so he, I've, I've got a couple of books by him that I've read and so to, to help figure things out. Um, and then for books like on faith and stuff, the entire church, I'll break it out here first, is going to go through the book, The Pursuit of Holiness. Mm. Like when we launched the home groups, it's a guy by a guy named Jerry Bridges, who was a big navigator dude. And, um, and it was convicting for me. Uh, at first I thought, eh, and I thought, oh no, it's convicting. Um, River of Doubt, have either of you guys read that? No. Okay, so it's a Teddy Roosevelt book and he was the ultimate, he kind of makes uh, Jim Dealing not look very masculine. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> is in, was insane. <laughs> and so he lost an election where he ran as an independent against his own party. And so he goes and decides to chart uh, like a tributary of the, Amazon River and all sorts of people die and, and he's a manly man. A sit-walk stand is one you can put in your pocket by Watchman Nee and I mm-hmm. really recommend it. You could read it in a night. Um, and then for you guys, I want to recommend one to put on your stack and it's called Soul of an Octopus. <laughs> During COVID, I, I binged a few things and I got to know about octopuses. It's not really octopi because it's not Latin. You needed to know that. Thank and you. Thanks, I will, thanks, Kevin. I will never eat octopus again. They are smarter than dolphins and and more lovable than my Shih Tzu puppy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to eat them. So there's some books. There's a little cross section. Well, okay. I love octopuses, so thank you for that. Um, <laughs> what? You mean you like to eat them? No, no, no. No, I love them. I do. Do you know about them too? Oh, yeah. right so, on. I've always been fascinated by them. And then okay, this is a Zach Hayes repeat. I'm gonna I know Jeremy's going to check out. We're going to talk about animals and nature and stuff. <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was during COVID. There was, um, or maybe it was more recent. Uh, there was a, a film or a movie that came out on Netflix called um, my, my teacher is an octopus. Oh gosh. I want to butcher it. Jeremy, if you can look it up yeah, and find I it or something it. like that. Okay. Yeah. Is that what got you uh, into it? Yeah. Yeah. I watched that one. And then I went to some of the source references that they have at an aquarium up the coast. And uh, Soul of an Octopus was written by one of those guys that, yeah, they're outlandishly cool. Yeah. They really hmm. are. I love it. I didn't know we had that in common. Well, I put an asterisk by that book on the list, okay? Okay. So Good I will know. look into it. No promises. I'm going to read it, but okay, so I'll explore that. I'm going to read it for sure, okay. 100%. And there's another genre. This, this might be closer to Jeremy. So I d- read a lot of ultra books and uh, you know trail running books. I mean, hmm. too many. And nutrition. And there's one called Diet Cults. It's my favorite nutrition book. And, and uh, it talks about how so many people are really zealous for their diet that they they'll just kill somebody if they don't eat them eat the way that they eat like i was at a i was at the fbi citizens academy so cool and very very tricky hard to get into this academy it was so fun and i and it was before we were eating before a session and this woman was talking about um that she was a vegan 
And I go, oh, my wife is a carnivore. <laughs> and I went, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> my wife was, you know, in her eyes, Satan at that point. So diet cult said, no, 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 be a diet agnostic. Don't be so contentious over your diet. And he outlines this by Matt Fitzgerald. Um, Matt, I hope you hear this because I used to listen to your show all the time. And when I said goodbye to you because of some mean things you said about some politicians you didn't like, and you said good riddance to me, not even knowing who I was and what a big fan I was, and me making you more famous now, it hurt my feelings. <laughs> Wait, so what is, what is the, the FBI Citizen Academy? It's so cool. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Thanks for asking. So the deal is, is that um, El Cajon, uh, has a citizens academy too. Uh, I think a lot of police departments do. And what they want to do is kind of get advocates, right? So they want to show you what they do and mm. the quality of people who work for them. And I haven't done El Cajon yet. I've done ride-alongs and stuff. And I have a lot of friends in, in law enforcement in El Cajon. Rob Ransweiler, um, he's a captain in El Cajon. He's Shout out. Amazing man. So somebody, uh, the woman who was the PR director for the Grossmont Union High School District, she's another Catherine, um, uh, Kathy, which Kathy did I talk about? Kathy Martin. Thank you. I can't believe I went blank there. You can edit that, Matt. That'll be good. Uh, uh, Catherine Martin, who is the PR director for the Grossmont Union High School District, a very hard job. She said, hey, Kevin, uh, I can nominate somebody for the FBI Academy. Are you interested in it? And I'm not really a cops and robbers kind of guy. It's just, it's not my thing. And um, she said, well, read, read what it's about. And, uh, and then the really extraordinary thing is the other people who come. And so you go for like nine or 10 weeks, uh, go down to the shooting range. You got SWAT people loading your gun for you. And, and one of the guys at the range had automatic, uh, whatever an automatic <laughs> rifle looks like. Um, and then all the CSI stuff and wow. how they can get into your computer mm. and how they do stuff. And I was involved, I wasn't a criminal, but I was involved in a murder that took place in El Cajon um, many years ago. Someone um, killed a, a Muslim woman. And I was friends with her sister. And so I, you know, I asked the FBI, I don't, know, I don't know if I can say this. Anyway, they were part of the triangulation of the cell phone and, and verifying somebody's location. Hmm. Anyway, all of that extraordinary. And the people around that hmm. table, they were like admirals and computer security guru people. I was the only pastor there. And I was like some token pastor. But it was extraordinarily cool. That's cool. Yeah, and if you're interested in that, you can only get into it if, the, if somebody in the FBI nominates you or an alumni like myself. Mm -hmm. And I am, um, I'm easily bribed. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. It's, and it's nine or nine or ten weeks. Yeah, and it's uh, a couple hours a day, full it's day, at night, it's, okay, and then it's one night. and one full Saturday. Wow. And um, it's down at the FBI headquarters, San Diego headquarters. Uh, and kind of up in Sorrento Valley-ish. Interesting. Way, I, way. It had never even crossed my mind that there was an FBI headquarters in San Diego. Yeah. And now I'm just, I don't know. And it's nuts because we're right on the border, obviously. So human trafficking and the things that they've done, I mean, very, very international. And there, and I got to tell you, I, I'm an advocate. I mean, mm. FBI, there's some extraordinary people, mm. really, really bright. And uh, they're very, very serious about what they do. Hmm. Passionate. That's rad. Wow. Cool. Um, Corey, any more questions? I think we hit most of them. 
Man, yeah, we hit lots and lots of them. I'm sure that there are, we're going to be kicking ourselves later for questions. We've gone through all the ones mm-hmm. that we wanted to go through. Are there things that people don't ask you about that you love to talk about or that you wish people ask you about? No. Uh, he said no. <laughs> <laughs> but what was fun when I heard uh, Matt Miller's, um, you know, he's been called Matt Miller since he was like one year old. It just goes together. I think it really irritated him for a while until, I'm sorry, it's who you are. And uh, so Matt said, I'll only go on the show if you agree to let my dad come on the show and defend himself. And listening to it, uh, you know, <laughs> Matt shared some hard things that he went through when he was young, and it was it took me right back there. So mm-hmm. that one, that that interview tore at my heart mm-hmm. because I went back to the hardest time in my life, too. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, but I don't need to defend myself. It's just like the <laughs> Lord can redeem all things. And I have an extraordinary children and extraordinary grandchildren. But I thought I should let you guys know. I mean, I don't know who does your fact checking and everything, but everyone in my family knows that Matt is a horrible liar. I mean, <laughs> none of what he said was even remotely true. <laughs> and, and I do need to let you know that he, he really is. I, I don't know why I didn't tell you this before. He is the love child of Patrick Lencioni and Malcolm Gladwell, actually. <laughs> not even a biological part of our family. So I just want to clarify that. We're going to have to fire our fact checker because yeah, I mean. they missed some, some huge ones. <laughs> Whoever that is. Well, he yeah. sounds yeah. so plausible. That's the problem with Matt. He sounds so believable. Yeah. Oh, man. I like Matt. Well, yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and that, that does give, we didn't really get to that part of your life and that part of your mm-hmm. story, but. I think Matt did a good job of yeah. kind of summarizing that. We don't have to rehash it, mm-hmm. but I'm really glad that we got to touch on all this. And especially, I think uh, we've been talking about more often, but like the intersection of business and ministry and government is like really, really interesting. And you also just have like this, um, this unique qualification to be able to talk about that. And so it mm-hmm. was great being able to touch on all those yeah. things. Good being with you. Time, you know, it's funny because our podcast is like mostly 30 minutes or yeah. less. You guys are on it, yeah. And we could not, edit ours down because it was just so interesting Mm -hmm. and and cool. So our listeners will have to be over that. But I can see so easily how you go over an hour and everything because uh, conversations with you are so, so easy and interesting and time just flies. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Kevin, thank you for coming on. We'll wrap it there. Um, Everyone, thanks for listening. Three things you can do to help us uh, support the podcast. And Kevin, you know this very well. You can go to the podcast player of your choice. You can subscribe. You can leave a rating and review as well. Preferably Apple Podcasts. That way we go higher in the rankings, which means more people listen and we can get more people on and keep you doing the show. You can also just share it with a friend. That also helps. And if you haven't already, subscribe. And we'll see you in the next one. 